Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, recording here at the Allstate Skyline Studio at WGN Radio. We've got a, another great guest. We're on a culture kick here. We're trying to change and make the world a better place one day at a time because, truthfully, there's a lot of people in a lot of powerful places around the country who are not doing that, and so somebody's got to pick up the bag of shit and keep moving. Um, our guest today has been on the show before. You all probably know him if you're a Chicago entrepreneur, Tom Alexander, who's formerly the COO of 1871. He has a company, Holistic, holisticindex.com. Am I correct on that? Yeah, yes. Uh, and so you can absolutely go check that out and learn everything there is to learn. My little technology update and pre-log that I have before we talk to Tom, I think fits well into the show. I think it does. I have a, a story. We just plugged... Uh, something we did with, with Chicago blend, Christy do Lindsay Knight um, on sort of the, what's going on in the VC world. I'm going to switch gears and go over to the founder side of this a little bit. Uh, I just wrote a piece that was published in uh, born to invest. It'll be on technology everywhere else as soon as uh, well, as soon as I get a copy of it. But anyway, it's called why female and minority founders should look to crowdfunding. Um, I'm not going to get into the crowdfunding thing. I think if you listen to the show on Saturdays uh, on WGN Radio or through your Amazon Alexa, you get the gist. You can call in. We're going to have a, a segment in the show with Tom today where, where we've got a pitch. So like you, you get the gist of it. You can invest in real companies with equity crowdfunding. It's cool. Um, what I want to speak to on it is just the fact that founders, I think, have to take on a little bit more responsibility, a little bit less victim uh, role when it comes to investing money and that includes uh, minority and female founders. I don't like, obviously it's easy for me to say as a, you know, white dude sitting in a chair here, but um, the reality is you kind of get what you get. And what I like about equity crowdfunding is it levels the playing field. It enables female minority founders to take a little bit more control and say, uh, I'm going to prove the, the, this idea is cool. I'm going to use my own network of people who may be made up of every type of human being there is on earth, uh, raise a couple hundred thousand bucks, and then build what is the basis for their idea and then take it to investors and and get a lot better deal. Not be, uh, you know, I, I read an article I can't quote right now, but I it was something to the effect of the exact same idea, same company, same general background, difference was female founder, white founder, male, uh, 7% equity, same amount of money, female founder, 20% equity, same amount of money. Not fair, not the same. So my guess there is that the there's a whole bunch of stuff you can get into, but ultimately we've got to change the way we're funding companies because this is uh this is a, a a big um a big issue and where i think it ultimately leads to which is why i'm bringing tom into this whole thing is the fact that before we we start these monumental changes we've got to change the culture and culture starts on an individual level it's people being ready to make changes and do things differently than they used to do it but also build an environment around them that can accept and welcome that change. And so we talked about last time, holistic founder, Tom Alexander, we're going to talk about it again now. And I also want to learn since we had him on last, what holistic is up to. So Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. You're welcome to the show anytime, as you know, uh, hopefully we get you to start like contributing on Technori or wherever, anytime you want. I right, didn't even right, know whatever. that was an option. It's always an option. All for right, certain people it. out there, there's, there's, there's okay. options, All right. which is part of the problem in our culture that we need to change. Right. <laughs> we need to get rid of some of these secret passageways. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of teed up the show on the founder investment side, but you know, in my mind, whether you're the CEO of a company, uh, I wrote this post that I was going to put out in like to promote this show. And I wrote, uh, it's sort of like the day has died for the boss, like drafting people around and telling them whatever it's, you know, manager, you're not pushing people around anymore. You've got to change the way that we 
uh, the, the, it's more collaborative. You delegate. Yeah. Delegate does not mean ordering your round. Delegate right. means sharing responsibility, which is different. And and that that's what I think is so unique about holistic is that there's a for for once there's a way to quantify that. Sure. I mean, if you if you go and talk to business leaders and just ask them what they do, they're not going to say things like order, tell, <laughs> direct, instruct. They're going to say things like facilitate, encourage, um, lead. You know, really positive types of things. Now, whether they actually do that in practice. Remains to be seen. See, I say certainly the bad aspirationally. Stuff. Yeah, I say right. I say I tell them, but then I mean that I right, exactly right. Uh, I think that you know everybody thinks of themselves as this sort of worldly, thoughtful manager of people. Um, their challenge is: Are you really? Do you have the skills, and do you have the tools, and do you have the resources to be able to practice that, to live that in practice? And then, are you paying attention to see if you're sort of being your best self all the time? So, what, I mean, obviously we talked about this on the last time you're on the show, that sort of like what you got to see both in the mayor's office, but also in 1871, obviously had a great deal to shape what you're doing. I think there's been a lot of things politically and publicly in Chicago and across the world, but Chicago in particular, since we last talked, that further showcase mm-hmm. the value and the importance of having an improved culture. Where we didn't talk about in the last one, which I want to talk to you about specifically today, is that we forget often we talk about this in marketing and advertising a lot that like why would a b2b company advertise on facebook right the reason is that the b2b people making decisions in the office are humans and they're going to go on facebook and play on facebook Mm -hmm. and so if you can get to them i think the same is true when it comes to culture i think that people who work politically work in an office whatever they're still people who have to check out and go home and go to the store every day and what if we want to see changes in our culture, in our actual living and lifestyle, I think you got to get them where, you, where the group of people are closest together. That's why we teach education. We have kids in schools, rooms of 30. You try to get sure. them all at once. I think that's a great way to, to start the conversation and start making an impact citywide is actually to start changing the way people think of things in their workplace. Am I yeah. crazy? Uh, I think there's something to that. I mean, look, I, I say all the time that we're living in the age of inclusion, but it just started. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I literally just started like the last couple of years. Folks have really started to really be cognizant of this idea of inclusivity and togetherness and welcomingness and collective advancement and their own individualized role in being a part of that. But we're also living in the age of exclusion and it just started. Yeah. And so each one of us has to make the choice about sort of how we're going to live and how we're going to operate. One of the things that I'm excited about is the types of conversations that I'm, you know, familiar with having at work around inclusion, around the importance of diversity, around thoughtfulness, um, around using sort of science and analytics to promote these types of collective behaviors. I'm starting to hear those a lot in other settings. We were just on vacation with some friends And I was really heartened by the prevalence of conversation around these types of matters and the general thoughtfulness that came from all the folks that were with us throughout the trip, just in in day-to-day conversation. I don't think that anybody really sort of was thinking, oh, you know what would be really fun tonight if we, except for me, nobody was like, tonight at dinner, we're going to talk about inclusion. Um, That's just what people were talking about. Yeah. And they weren't intentionally trying to craft 
particular types of viewpoints, those are just their viewpoints. And so I think that folks are learning the importance of these types of things in any number of different settings. And just as we're borrowing from the workplace in our personal lives, we're also borrowing from our personal lives in the pop cultural world in the workplace. And so all of these types of activities are good. They're all investments in sort of a better outcome. And I'm enthusiastic about it. Can I say this is I'm just telling you the the honest uh, truth. I you know, like yourself, not even, not even as much as yourself. Uh, I would say I'm pretty like immersed in this world and this inclusive, you know, inclusiveness and like community and like sort of trying to, to be better. And honestly this year, maybe, I guess I'd say maybe it was like middle of 18, early 18 was one of the first times that I actually recognized myself being aware Mm -hmm. of what was going on. I remember for the first time sitting in a room be like, this is not, very diverse like i like i noticed it and i've been in the same room a thousand times and i'm like plugged as plugged in as anybody is in it and i was like that was like and that just goes to i think your point about the fact that you literally like we're so early in it there's an article that came out must have been about a year ago a year and a half ago and um it was an article about uh president trump and um, some group of people that he disabled, assembled that w- was lacking in diversity. I'm sure. And there's been a lot of articles out there about that. Um, it, the reason why I clicked on this one, though, was because the point of the article was that the folks in the room and the people who were looking at the room were uncomfortable by the situation. And the article was basically that the awareness at least has been raised to a point where people are paying attention to the environments that they're in. They're starting to be a little bit thoughtful about crafting inclusive environments. Certainly, there's um, much more conversation in situations that aren't diverse or inclusive. Uh, all those are great developments. I mean, those, all that stuff is very important. So I want to. I'm going to take this similarly to the conversation that we had with Christy Doolin and Lindsay on Chicago Blend, just because I think it's it's very um, it's like step two in the process, um, and that is quantifying. And that's the part I think holistic is, is unique. And like, where do you, like, you're not the first person to come up with a company that is trying to make a change in, in culture. There's lots of companies who I would argue are taking advantage of it. Like I said to Christy Dula, there's lots of organizations who parade as, as diversity champions in actuality, they're profiting from it. And I'm going to stop my rant before I go off the cliff. What I think is very important about what you're doing is you're, you're creating a baseline that didn't really exist. Yeah. First off, I don't think that making money off of creating inclusive environments is necessarily a bad. Thing. Totally agree. Okay. Totally agree. I don't. I don't mean. I didn't mean to oh, say. Like, that. is it hot in here? No. Uh, no. I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean that. There's a. There's a. So like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna make this very short because I don't want to waste the good time on this thing. But like, the reality is, I hear something and I'm like, oh my god, I know people I can help this with. I can. We can totally r- rally the troops and we can do something and make an impact. And obviously, I want to make money to pay for it. And if I can make money on sure, top of it, that right. would be great. But there are other people like, hmm, that's a hot topic in 2019. I wonder if we built a sponsor brand around it, we're going to sell everybody because we know that that's yeah. a hot. They don't care about the fix. They want the money. There's, that's a th- what else. there's a third thing to consider, though, and I also don't want to go too far afield on yeah. this. But there's a third really interesting thing to consider, which is that the chances of these types of scenarios being more successful, particularly in the workplace, are directly correlated with the financial component of things. Yep. In other words, one of the best things to happen for diversity 
in the workplace was that everybody realized that diverse and inclusive teams are more successful teams. Yep. Uh, one of the best things that is happening for investing in women entrepreneurs is all of this research that's come out that it's just a better investment to invest yep. in women entrepreneurs than it is in their male counterparts. Yep. No, I totally agree. It's pure proven fact. Yeah. And so that is going to get more people into the tent faster. And I think that's a good thing. Now, you obviously want to avoid folks who are being dis disingenuous yeah. and who are profiteering off of it or who are capitalizing off of it in the wrong way. I think that's what you were getting yeah. at. But yeah. you also have to be really cognizant of the bottom line. True, which is also goes to the, the in politics, you know, it's better. Like at the end of the day, like all news is good news. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's not, but it really kind of is. Like any attention, even if it's ill gotten attention, still attention. Yeah. I think that's true to an extent yeah, of course uh, i mean i think that the, some of the conversations that are being hap that are happening nationally and globally right now which at their core are conversations about inclusion versus exclusion yeah um and and many of them are in response to things that i would consider to be tremendously divisive correct those are helping advance the cause of inclusion and thoughtfulness worldwide it's just painful Correct. Yeah. And you have to fight really, really hard because like I said, it's the age of inclusion or the age of exclusion. We have to decide. You're totally right. I mean, we jo joked about it, not really joking, but jo joked about it the other day that I'm getting tired of using the word community because by saying community, I'm saying you're not in it. Like if I, if I have a community, I mean, this is like getting PC world, but like right. I was literally like, do we stop hashtagging the community thing? Cause it's like, well, if you're not part of it, then you're out. And if you're not out, then you're not in, and therefore you're excluded. Like it just, yeah. I don't want to go down that path, but it was right. just a funny thing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, on the holistic side of things, how you're using, like how you're using what you've created to, to be, a, yeah, to measure, to be a differentiator, more importantly. Yeah. So the key, that, the key is that everything can be measured and everything should be measured. Um, and I, when we think about measurement, we really think about it in terms of three phases. Number one, how do you measure it? How do you figure out what the statistic is or what the measurement is? Number two, can you lay the infrastructure to measure it in real time or on an ongoing basis or whatever? And then number three, how important is it? Yep. Okay. Most people, when they think about measurement, they focus on one of those three things and very often it's the first, first phase of it. Okay. So can I measure something? Yeah. Cool. And then that, that's it. Like that's the end of the conversation. Um, and our point of view is that there's value in all three parts and they're like building blocks. Okay. So you figure out how to measure something, you put in place the infrastructure to measure it on an ongoing basis, and then that's done. You're not going to stop measuring it. The third question is how important is it, how important it is in the situation or relative to other measurements or whatever, that's what you're going to spend your attention on on a long-term basis. Yep. But the first two things are things that you can figure out and move on with. And so what we've been doing at Holistic is we've been really focused on identifying as many different things that we can to measure. And I'll give you some examples here in a minute, putting in place the groundwork to measure them on an ongoing basis. Okay. And then that's done. That sits there, and that's going to be a persistent source of information about the companies and the people that we're working with. From there, then, the real work begins, which is how important is this? How does this fit into the picture? How do we decide what's good and what's bad? How do we decide what's cause for concern? And how do we make change? So I'll give you a specific example. First, I'm going to drink a little bit of this water. Of course. 
I made the international bottle sign being like, can I get some vodka in here? And the dude brought me water, so I guess I'll just drink that. You know, um, they know I've got a big holiday party right. schedule coming up, and i got to keep sober as sure. long as I can. Okay. Um, so leadership teams within organizations are a huge challenge for diversity. Yep. Um, so let's take women on leadership teams. So very frequently, one of the things that we will see is an organization that has achieved some level of gender balance but the leadership team doesn't reflect that at all. Okay, and you can you can sort of see it with your eyes yep. a little bit, but sometimes it can be fairly hard to measure. And gender, you know, is one of the areas I think that people feel a little bit more comfortable just kind of making judgments on, but this could apply to any sort of inclusion standard. So what we do at Holistic is we, we gather a series of measurements. We measure the general diversity of the team, we measure the general diversity of the workforce that's just kind of out there in the public. We measure the diversity of the leadership team specifically. And then we test that relative to the broader staff, to society, to what you see in leadership teams, whatever. <clears throat> and so what we're able to do is we're able to put three or four numbers together that we have the mechanisms to capture. And we're able to tell companies how they're doing. You can effectively give somebody a percentile score and say, you know what, the chances of you having a leadership team that looks like this in an environment like the one that you see in the city, four out of 10 people in business in Chicago, four or five out of 10 people in business in Chicago are women, and you have one out of 30 people on your leadership team who's a woman, the chances of that happening naturally if you just chose 30 people are like one in 10,000. So either you're the unluckiest company in Chicago or there's some sort of biases at play yeah. that are preventing people from moving through the organization. Alternatively, you can look at environments that are diverse. Uh, at 1871, we had a remarkably diverse team. Um, and you can ascertain just how much positive progress you've made in that regard. Okay, so then what do you do with it? Then you work backwards. Then you sort of say in the situations where there are problems, where are people getting you know, knocked out of the pipeline? Where are there issues that um, that are preventing their advancement within the organizations? In the situations that are working, why are they working? Yeah. Why is this going well? What is this company doing that they should double down on, triple down on, keep going? That's really what we're able to provide for them. The first referral I need to make to you is, the, is Avon. Have you, have, are you familiar with, like, obviously, you know, Avon Lady Calling, right? Sure, 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 sure. For you and everyone listening, just go look at Avon and then click on About and then click on Team and then start scrolling. I'll leave it at that. Okay. It's I'll check it out. It, it, totally mind-blowing. And I'm not even going to say good or bad because you guys will all do it on your own. Um, but totally mind-blowing. Uh, Tom, I appreciate everything that you're doing, uh, not just for Chicago and have done for the founders and entrepreneurs, but I think Holistic is that thing, that next step forward, the next maturity, if you will, uh, to the culture conversation. I look forward to having you back on more and more and more. Um where do people go first off for holistic? Where do they what like where do they follow you? Where are the blogs? Yeah, so Where's... just hit us up on holisticindex.com on the web or we're holistic index on Twitter and we're always tweeting about interesting things. Uh, so follow us there. Perfect. Well, here's the thing. Before I let you go, I gotta drop one more thing for you because you've never heard pitches. Okay. No one's ever given you a startup pitch, I'm sure. Right. So we're gonna drop uh, you're familiar with the startup showcase. We do that at uh, auditoriums and at IT and everywhere else. Uh, we've included it into our podcast. We do it live on Saturday where people can call in. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do it right here. I'm gonna have a one minute pitch and on it you can go so far as to say you think it's an investable or you would or you wouldn't uh, or you can just give the person pitch advice, whatever it is you think would be valuable okay. uh, to this person. So Tom, QR pitch. 
years ago, I started working remotely, and I went from being a top performer for my entire life to almost getting fired because of procrastination. So, uh, in short, what I learned is that working alone is very hard. And um, for folks out there who have been remote workers, freelancers, entrepreneurs, students, um, you all know from experience, of course. And um, the, the bad news is that this problem is worse. Um, we all kind of recognize we live in the era of distractions. And actually, more and more of our work is also happening in isolation, distributed teams, et cetera. Um, so that's why I founded what we're building is the digital workplace, the digital environment of the future, providing human interaction and accountability exactly when and how we need it to get things done. And our first product is called Virtual Coworking. Two users anywhere in the world can sit side by side remotely on a video call while they work on their own projects, their own work, their own business. And this has a powerful accountability effect. It's like going to the library with a study buddy, except it happens online, on demand, for anyone, and for any task. So our website is focusmate.com, focusmate.com. Thank you very much, Taylor. Uh, apologies to those for the audio. It's a little crackly because, you know, we live in a cell phone world. Nobody has a house phone. Tom, uh, I don't know if you caught the gist. It's called Focusmate. The idea is he's kind of bringing like what I think 1871 brings to the table on, a, on an entrepreneurial level, which is that you have like other peers that are working next to you and you kind of have the race effect, if you will. And it, race meaning like the you know, like a horse race effect, not racial effect. Um and online, essentially saying like, listen, we're all working remotely and there's no one keeping us, holding us to task. Do you, like, is this something that you see as a problem that you would, you think is a solution? Like, where are you at? Or what's your advice? Get a better phone. Uh, uh, it's okay. It's not my favorite idea. I think there's some potential there. I think what, there's absolutely something to this idea of being with others, right? Yep. And um, a lot of people like to work from home uh, for obvious reasons. One of those reasons is the freedom. Okay. And so the question I think that Taylor, is that, was that yep. what his name is? Yep. Is getting at is when do you turn off your sort of freedom button and turn on your accountability button? And yeah. how do you kind of go back and forth? And that is, that is a challenge for a lot of people. We see a lot of, especially younger employees wanting to have the capability to work from home. Yep. There's a lot of inhibition on the part of employers. Why? Because they think that the people are going to screw around all day long, yep. which is what they do. And so anything that's going to help them be accountable. It's like, all I my think, team's looking at me like, shh. Yeah, right. Uh, I, anything that I think that's going to help folks be held accountable is interesting. The key challenge for Taylor is going to be, how is this different than any number of other sort of potential accountability mechanisms in place? And how can you sort of measure whether this is inspiring somebody to be really focused? And you could think of some cool things to do. You could think about letting people look at your screen, for example, yep. or doing other types of things um, that would really just make sure that you weren't on Facebook or doing whatever and other I think sort he's, of activity. So I think in his pitch in, in this is the, uh, the face sharing. It's not just sitting next to each other digitally. Like you've got kind of like an accountability partner, if you will. I'm just going to say my, my only two cents on it, I totally agree with you. You're saying my two cents is for a certain demographic of people, it's just not relatable for me. I actually work from home so that I can get work done because if I'm here in the office or I'm whatever, it's just you're going to get slowed down by a thousand tasks. And so that's part of it. I don't, I'm a self starter, so that's not an issue for me. 
there are certain generations that have been conditioned to work in an office, so it's just gonna be tough. Yeah. For the for the but where the opportunity lies is there's this next generation of people coming up now who have like really been remote all their whole life, and then there's the next next generation which education will be sort of an online mix. Yeah, there's I think potential it, there. Totally. I think if you were if you were advising Taylor, you know what you'd say is, look, let's look at the statistics about where do people get distracted, right? It's not like if you work from home, you just spend the whole day hanging out. You do some work, but there are things that happen that waylay you from what you're trying like to vodka. do. Like vodka. Yeah, exactly. And how do you kind of avoid those types of distractions from coming in? And so, you know, one of the things is that a short break or going to eat something turns into like spending the whole afternoon not working. Yep. And if there's ways to just kind of push through some of those impediments, then I think he's onto something. This is AA for the lazy remote it Really, what it's more like is having a workout buddy. Yes, You know, totally. and so like you get out of bed in the morning to... To do it now, you know what would be really interesting is if somehow we'll just give this for free to Taylor. Uh, you made it like diet bet. So do you know diet bet? Yeah, yeah. Where you sync up with somebody else, or you sync up with a group of people, and you basically bet on weight loss. So and everybody he, there's who a little gamification right. going on. So everybody puts in like you get into a group, and there's six people on the screen, and everybody puts in five bucks in the system, and after an hour whoever's still working or after two hours or whatever the goal is, is still kind of grinding, those people split the pot. And so there's this, there's a financial incentive to basically stick with it and you're going to get paid out. Or that you were on, you know, and there's ways where you can, there's all sorts of applications now that can measure your productivity yep. on your computer without having you have to compromise what it is that you're working on. And so you could sort of say, okay, everybody who is over 60% productive for a four-hour stretch today is going to win the bet. That gamification component, I think, might be the little competitive key that's going to take. It's it's more than just you need somebody there looking over your yeah. shoulder. You guys need to be incentive. You guys and gals need to be pushing each other to kind of be more successful. You need an incentive also to keep your job. <laughs> like, right, exactly. You might also keep your job in this. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on the show. Hopefully, you come on again. All right. Uh, you can learn more about upcoming Technor events, investment opportunities, and of course, check out the blog at technor.com. Download the podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social at Technori or follow me at Katoon. Boom, that's a wrap.